Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, lovely. Welcome to episode 20 of the Bookwifery podcast. Can't believe we're at episode 20 already. Today, we're going to talk about how to show up when the world is on fire. So very timely uh Topic for today, I'm I'm guessing for you as you're listening to this, it's definitely been on my mind quite a bit. Um, but before we dive into that, I want to let you know about something really fun that's coming up that I've decided to kind of spearhead next week. So um, it's going to be the dates October twenty. 20- 2nd through 26th on Instagram, I am hosting what I'm calling the Bookwifery Visibility Challenge, and I would love to have you join me and the group of folks that have already raised their hands to say they're going to join in. Um, Bookwifery Visibility Challenge is basically... It's something that I'm offering to you and also to myself. I'm going to be doing it alongside all of you that allows you to um, start to show up on Instagram in a more intentional way around what it is that you are about in this world. So if you're listening to this episode or this this podcast, I'm guessing it's because you have a sense that there's a book in you and more likely than not, a general nonfiction book, uh, which is what I work on here at Bookwifery. And um, general nonfiction books are about something and they come from authors who are doing particular work in the world in certain subject areas. And so I want to give you some support as you um, start to maybe experiment a bit with your Instagram account to show up on behalf of what it is that you are about in the world, to clarify some of that um, to the people that you connect with there, um, to to let people know this is what you care about, this is what you uh, believe your light is in the world, and um, this is what it means and why it matters. So it's a five-day challenge. We're going to be using the hashtag Bookwifery Visibility Challenge as a way to connect all of us that are doing the challenge and meet new people and kind of follow each other along. But I'm going to be providing prompts for each day. And like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to dive right in and be doing the challenge with you guys. Um, I'd love to have you join me. If you are on Instagram, you can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery over there. If you want to give me a follow, maybe say hi. So I know you're a listener and I can follow you back and be connected to you there. Um, but I'm going to be rolling out additional information over the next few days. And then the, the challenge actually starts on Monday, October 22nd. So that's a little promo here at the beginning that I wanted to let you know about. Um, Also, as we dive into this topic today about how to show up when the world is on fire, um, it might be helpful for you to know that there's another podcast episode I did earlier this year. It's episode five called Why We Need Your Light and How to Start Shining It, that in addition to this episode, you might find helpful to kind of continue to go deeper into, you know, who are we in the world and who are we when there's a lot going on in the world and um, getting clearer on what's yours to do and what is not yours to do and making some peace with that. So that episode, episode five, and this episode, episode 20, are kind of like, they're kind of like sisters. So let's talk about this. How to show up when the world is on fire. 
I'm going to break this into two pieces here at the start just to kind of get our heads into the topic, and then we'll start to unpack all the little strands that are connected to this. So how to show up, the first part of this episode title, um, let's talk about that. What does it mean to show up? Um, I'm talking about this in the context of you being someone who, like I said when I was describing the the visibility challenge, someone who is about something in the world, someone who has a sense of, you know, mission, purpose, call, message, work, um, light, um, yeah, just however you want to name that sense inside of you that's like, yeah, this is what my life is about. This is the what I'm doing in the world with that light. This is what the contexts are that I am kind of showing up in and doing that work. And um, so when I talk about, you know, how to show up. I'm talking about those contexts in which you do show up to shine your light. So it might be, you know, the work that you're doing in your, your like day job, you know, like wherever it is that you are currently positioned to do your actual work in the world. (laughs) Um, but it might also be places that you are showing up on behalf of your life's work and your mission outside of your workplace. So I'm thinking of things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a blog, um, speaking events, uh, classes that maybe you teach, um, an email newsletter that you might host, um, even a podcast that you might host. So where are the places, first of all, to think about where are the places that you are currently showing up on behalf of who you are in the world? And then the second half of the title of this episode is when the world is on fire. So let's talk about when the world is on fire. Um, I'm, (laughs) it's probably not too much of a stretch for me to imagine that you knew exactly what I meant when I said that the title of this episode was how to show up when the world is on fire. Um, Many people for the last several years have been feeling like the world is on fire. There is so much chaos. There is so much that feels like it's going wrong. Um, There's so much that's disheartening and it's not just the last couple years. I mean, for years upon years, uh, this has been kind of the case. I I look at, in some ways, I look at September 11th as a marker of when the world here in America literally did seem to be on fire. Um, The two towers were burning and falling. Um, But even before that, for me, in my memory, I can go back to 1999 when I was, uh, I think I was a senior in college at that point. I was either a junior or a senior when it happened, but it was the the Columbine shooting, um, and it was like this major event that had never happened in our you know collective conscious of this you know major shooting event that happened that shocked everyone, and um, it felt like innocence was lost uh, for me in that moment for many people, and since then as as you know, um, mass shootings have just continued to happen and become even more pervasive. And, um, in some ways, you know, just within that sphere of our awareness of the, of what's happening in the world, that piece alone, the, the category of mass shootings just feels like, yes, the world is on fire. What is happening? How is this happening? How does it continue to happen? How do we, respond? Why does response not seem to make a difference? You know, all of these kinds of things. So that's just one area that I know for me for almost 20 years now has been going on that has made me continuously feel like there's this erosion of belief and hope and understanding. So those are two significant events in the last almost 20 years. But 
in more recent history, there's things like the Syrian refugee crisis, which was taking over the news quite a bit um, in the last several years, and all of these displaced people not having a place to go, running and fleeing for their lives, um, the 2016 election and everything that has followed since that. It was such a such a polarizing event um, in our nation, a nation that was already quite polarized. Um, Brexit, if you live in the UK, um, you know, that was a really significant event, a vote that happened that is continuing to unfold. And so if you're living overseas from the US where I am, um, if you're living in the UK in particular, I know you're you're feeling the effects and the questions surrounding Brexit. Um the shooting of black and brown bodies that continue to happen and the ways in which that has become a huge um, dialogue. I don't even know if I would call it a dialogue. There's definitely shouting happening on both sides and it's really hard um, to see happening and the Black Lives Matter movement that's risen up from that. Um, and then more recently, you know, some things in the U.S. like uh, displaced children at the U.S. southern borders, children being separated from parents um, who are, you know, kind of coming to this country, trying to come here and and find a new life and find safety and all that's happened with the chaos and the confusion and the separation that's happening surrounding that. Um, more recently, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing for the Supreme Court posting um, and what happened with uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and Oh, what a lightning rod that moment was a couple weeks ago. And um, and then I'm thinking, too, even just this, this last week, there's been reports coming out about climate change and um, things happening with voter rolls and voter registration as we ramp up to the midterm elections. There's just like, okay, I've just given you a long list of really difficult <laughs> news items that have happened. And they're not just news items. They affect our our world, they affect our uh, humanity, they affect our ways of um, living with one another as neighbors and as people, um, forcing us to wrestle with really difficult questions and not always knowing how to wrestle with them, not knowing how to wrestle well, um, looking to our leadership and feeling, um, you know, either emboldened or disillusioned and um, just feeling often, you know, when this, these things are happen, happening on the either national or global stage, there's so many different ways we can respond. We might respond with, like I said, disillusionment, a feeling of despair or helplessness, um, real anger or rage. Um, we might feel like we want to gear up and like put our boots on the ground and start marching. Um, and some have literally done that. Um, others, it might be a matter of um, just fighting, <laughs> you know, at the dinner table at holidays or um, in neighborhoods where you see, you know, certain signs on, on certain lawns. Um, and then for others, it's like a, a response of like, let me go hide. Let me go hide under the covers in my bed. Let me hide inside my house and not engage with the people who come door to door trying to engage me in the political process. Um, let me hide on my social media ch channels and not say anything and just kind of go quiet um, and just observe or go away from it. Let me shut it down. Let me, um, you know, close out my account. Like all of these different responses that we have based on kind of our own you know, makeup and how we tend to respond to the world. <laughs> right. And so, um, I think what I, what I'm wanting to do in this episode is help you think about 
how to show up yourself as you are taking particularly this authorial path. So it's one question, you know, just as individuals in the world, global citizens um, or citizens of our particular nations, to ask ourselves, you know, given all the tools and communication channels at my disposal or opportunities at my, you know, right or left hand to, to engage the world. What will I do based on what my values are, what I care about, what I want to do with my life, uh, how I want to be involved in what's happening in the world. Like as an individual, all of us in, you know, are, are holding that question and we're engaging these different channels in response to that. But I'm, I'm making this episode here for you specifically as someone who is now stepping into the authorial path, becoming an author, or maybe you already have stepped onto that path. And there is a different way in which you are now needing to wrestle with this question, because it's not just showing up in these places in your life, particularly online, where you might be looking to build an audience and a platform for your work in the world. You're not just showing up as yourself anymore. You are, you are yourself and there needs to be integrity there, but you are also showing up on behalf of what you are naming as your work in the world. And how does that interact with what's happening in the world kind of in live time as you are, you know, laying out your message, making plans for sharing it, looking to engage your audience, looking to serve in a particular way within your particular subject matter. And then these life events, these world events happen and everyone like the collective consciousness is is really talking about it. And it's like, the question is, you know, what do you say? How do you step into that space? Ought you step into that space? So I really want to unpack some of the layers of this and help you think about it. Either, you know, you know, for one, for one, you may not have thought about it in this way, um, but also, you know, you might be wrestling with this and really not sure how to think about it. Um, So I'm going to say here at the start that there is no one right answer for this. So it's not going to be an episode where I say this is the three-point plan for how you do this. Um, It's not going to be that there, you know, I'm going to say there's that one cut and dried answer for everyone that we all need to follow. This is going to be more of a conversation of all the different factors at play here. And I'm speaking about this from my own experience as well. Um, You know, I help authors clarify their work and their message. But I also do that for myself as a business owner. So there's a lot of ways in which what you are seeking to do with your own um, work in the world, your connection to your audience and what your message is, there's a lot of overlap between that work that you're doing and the work that I do every day with Bookwifery, getting clear on what my work is, who my audience for this work is, and the message that I'm trying to communicate about what it is and why it matters. And so... I'm coming to this conversation with like, yeah, I wrestle with this every day. Um, I have been wrestling with it for several, you know, for many years now, and I get how tangled it is and how confusing it is. And, um, you know, trying to figure out like, what do I hold on to and what do I let go of? Um, what is my responsibility, um, both as a business owner or for you as a, as a, um, maybe public persona that you're growing into, um, and as an individual or a global citizen. Um, so 
let's just look at some of this together, okay? And maybe by the end, you have a sense of what kinds of questions you can hold for yourself and continue to pray with and listen into and discern what is your response or how how will you hold this at this point in your work? Um, because it may be that as time goes on and you continue to grow into your work and you continue to grow into connection and relationship with your audience, that some of your response to some of these questions shifts and changes over time. And actually, that's probably to be expected. So let's go. (laughs) All right. So one way of thinking about this, when things are happening in the world, and particularly when they are things that seem to ask for us to come down on the side of one thing or another. So this typically happens with political issues. Um, that, you know, it's like one view of it is to say, we all must use our voice and our influence in whatever ways we can, because no change ever happens if everyone is silent. And so, and no change ever has happened in the world, the history of the world, when people remain silent or the change that the change usually happened in favor of those who were vocal and willing to take action. And those who were silent or silenced um, weren't able to be represented. Um, And so it seems like there's this real um, push for if you have a voice and you have the freedom to use that voice and you have the ability to have influence in the places where your voice is heard, then you ought to use it because it's a privilege to have that voice. And, um, and also, it's like you you need to use it. It's it's like nothing's going to happen if we all stay silent. And so that is one very compelling reason that you might feel the need to speak up about things that are happening in the world politically um, or just socially or you know whatever you see happening. When the world is on fire and you see what's happening and you say, okay, I have a voice and I have the right to use my voice and I have a place where I can do that. Um, you know, I need to speak because if I stay silent, it's an indictment against, you know, silence. (laughs) Um, And so that's one one perspective. Um, On the other hand, I think about, um, I think about what does it mean to have a voice? And, you know, it's like, is there only one way that that voice can be exercised? Like, is it only on Facebook that I can go and make, you know, say something and make a difference? Or are, might there be other places that I can exercise my volition, my view, my preference, my vote um, in a way that makes a difference as well and isn't necessarily vocal in the public square. Um, and so I'm thinking about friend text threads or, uh, like group, group texts with friends or, um, being involved in different community efforts and ways in which you might show up with the people in your closer life where you have maybe a greater ability to have a voice and be heard, um, and have, the potential to have real influence. I've been having conversations about this in a lot of places lately. And um, in one of the places I was discussing this, an individual voiced that she feels that our online channels where we are all speaking into the, that void, um, 
that that one view is that those those channels aren't super effective because we're all kind of in echo chambers with the people that we most are aligned with and like-minded with. Um, when we don't like what someone has to say, we can unfollow them, um, mute them, unfriend them, block them. And the more that that happens, then, then really who we're talking to is the choir. We're talking to people who already believe the way we do. And so what influence are we truly having? Um, so that's one, another way of like holding this question of like, what are the channels we're using to respond to these events when they happen? And are those channels effective? Are they truly reaching? And also maybe the question too of like, what is our goal? Because maybe your goal is to encourage those who are like-minded with you and to provide some additional perspective to them um, about, you know, how you're thinking about what's happening. And then it helps them kind of further frame the way that they're holding it. And it's not necessarily that you're trying to change anyone's mind who might be on the opposite side of a concern, but that you're trying to help, you know, strengthen and and encourage and shore up um, the energy of those who, who are kind of in a similar stance as you. So these are some of the ways in which we think we can think about this. Um, Again, I'm not doing this episode to give you answers. I'm doing this episode to help you think about the many strands, the ways in which this is tangled up in a lot of different little pieces and start trying to kind of untangle them so we can at least see what the strands are. So, um, so one of the things additionally that I've been hearing as I've been discussing this with people is, you know, what is, what is the influence? What is the level of influence? How much influence do we actually have? And so I think about people that I follow online who have vast influence. They've got millions of followers or hundreds of thousands of followers, and they are very boots on the ground type people. They are looking to help lead movements in in a particular direction and social concern. Um, and their real work in the world is to you know equip and lead people to do something in that direction. And so, you know, that is, that is their influence. They are their position to do that work. Um, and then there are other people I follow online who are showing up and they are also speaking their view and they are, you know, encouraging people to call this hotline or, you know, write this Senator or vote in this way, or, you know, go on this march or whatever it might be. And it's that they are, they're using their influence because they do have this large audience. Um, But when I look at those individuals, I tend to see that when the person that they are showing up in the world, like the work that they're doing is really like they are a brand of themselves. They are, you know, people follow them in droves because they enjoy who that person is. And there's almost like an entertainment element, um, a a voyeuristic feeling of following someone like this who, you know, it's like we love watching them live their life and they're a public figure because they, they may do certain work in the world, but they're primarily connecting to their audience through just being who they are. So they're kind of famous for being 
engaging as a person. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, in a way, it's a little bit like the difference between, um, in the episode I did a while back about, are you writing a memoir or are you writing general nonfiction? And a memoirist, one of the markers of a memoirist is they're a storyteller. And do you notice when you, when you start to tell stories that people really like sit up and listen and are like really engaged and like leaning forward and wanting to hear more. And it's like, it's almost like your storytelling becomes your captivating, um, skill. And you're like Scheherazade, who's like spinning the tail for 1000 nights. Um, and so I think about there's some people of influence online that, you know, I follow and maybe you follow as well, who, you know, that is kind of what they do. It's like they show up each day and they tell stories about their life, almost like memoirists in, in live time. <laughs> and that is what's compelling about following them. And so they wouldn't necessarily say, like, my work in the world is about a particular issue. They would say, I just do my job and I show up and I tell stories and people seem to engage it and want to learn. And so now I have influence. I have people who are listening to me. And so I'm going to channel that influence in directions that I think are good. And I'm going to use that influence to tell people which way to go. You know, if, if they follow me, like this is what I, this is my view on things and this is how I want to encourage them in a particular direction. And it's not necessarily their work to do that, but it is um, part of how they're using the influence that they have um, amassed or been given. And then there's, um, all the rest of us (laughs) who are, um, exploring our work in the world, living into it, growing it, um, getting clearer and clearer about it, learning what it means to build a life around that and starting to do the work of that every day in these quiet, faithful ways and creative ways. And I think about you by stepping onto this authorial path, you are actually stepping onto the path of being a public figure. But right now, most of the people I'm working with, they're kind of like at the beginning of that work. They're like getting going. They, they look at the life work that they've been doing and they're like, gosh, there's a lot of good work here. There's a lot that I believe in. I want to make more of my life about this. I want to be more um, intentional, structured, um, you know, significant in, in what's happening here. And so you're starting out on this path and... I think one place I'm landing around all of this myself is to think about like, this is a very tenuous place to be when you are looking at your life and you're starting to realize, yes, I have been about this particular work in the world. And it ha- I'm talking about work that is not necessarily specifically connected to anything happening in the world, capital W out there. But when you look at the work that you have been doing with your life, And you realize that there is real conviction there in you for that work. And there is a real sense of like the long game and a long-term commitment to continue to see that through and to continue to grow that work um, through your life and through those it's influencing. And you're thinking, okay, it's time for me to start working on a path of clarifying this and also growing its exposure to people beyond where I am doing it currently. And so this is where many people step onto the path of starting to move toward writing a book about all that they have come to know and believe and understand and have expertise and wisdom in. Um, And part of that journey is also 
clarifying the work that you're doing with your audience and broadening that. So your work in the world right now might be pinpointed to a particular location. Maybe you're working with a nonprofit in a particular city, or you are teaching classes at a particular college or speaking at some conferences, you know, around, but you're realizing I want to grow my influence. I want to spread this message. Now I need to start to broaden my audience beyond these specific locations or groups and start to speak to more mainstream people all over. And this is where you start to come to an online presence often and say, okay, how do I want to use um, my website, my email, an email newsletter, a blog, um, a Facebook account or page, um, an Instagram account? Like, how do I want to start to show up in these other places that can allow me to reach more people more directly around a certain message? So that moment... And the moments that follow of starting to live into that and build that out is a very tenuous place because there's a lot of inner work that you're doing. Number one, clarifying that message, getting clear really on what is it that you are about? What are you saying that you're about in the world as you make this, like as you plant this flag? And who is it for? Getting clear on that, who it's serving. And how is it different that little bit than what other people might be doing in the same space. So this is um, this is like your book, your voice, your audience, <laughs> the, the tagline and the thrust of all the work that I do at Book Woofery, that's like it. It's like, what's the message? Who's it for? How is it a little bit different than what's already being done out there? How is it adding to the conversation that's already there? And so that is a lot of inner work that you are having to do. Um, and it's beautiful and I love it. And I would love to help you continue to do that if, if that's where you are right now and need some help, um, just as a little plug. <laughs> um, but the other reason it's tenuous is because you are now starting to make some steps forward into that new territory. And starting to make those new steps forward is like fresh for you. You've not done it before. You're figuring out like even just the technologies, you know, how does Instagram work? How do you invite people to go to a link on your website if they're inside Instagram and you have a new blog post up? Um, <laughs> how do you, um, you know... I, I don't know. It's like, how do you put together an email newsletter and figuring out the technology of that? So that's a whole nother layer of like figuring out how to use the channels that you have identified as ones you are going to use. And then third, there's the layer of like starting to connect with your people, starting to, to meet and connect with the people that this is for and helping them know that it's here for them and helping them see the value in it for their lives. And so there's this very intense focus that happens in this space. And it's like, there's so much in me that wants to just like run out there and put a protective bubble around you during this time because it requires such intense focus and such intense inner resolve and commitment and fortitude and, um, you know, clear clarity, like space to, to allow clarity to start to happen and space to start to work with it and experiment and learn and, you know, make changes and tweaks and space to start to connect and, and start to plan little seeds of that message and in the right places where other people might find them and start to see growth. And so I think one of the ways I look at this question of how to show up when the world is on fire, I feel very protective of this space that you're in right now where you're starting to work with your message and you're starting to clarify who it's for. And you're starting to think about like, how can I best talk about this and start to, you know, bolster my audience? Um, 
when the world is on fire, you know? So you have this bubble around you that I want to put there and then there's this fire raging outside. And so do you just ignore it? And so, so I'm, what I'm wanting to say to you in this part of our conversation is that these factors I just named that kind of make me want to put a bubble around you are real. And that if you are moving forward in this authorial path with intention and you are becoming more of a public persona, you're planting that flag and saying, yes, it's time for me to broaden my territory, broaden my message, clarify that message, grow who it's for. Um, that is a real thing that requires real space that really needs to happen if you're going to walk this path. <laughs> And then there's this reality of the fire raging beyond the bubble. And so let's talk about that piece and how you might interact with the reality of that as you are bringing your intense focus to this work. So there's a couple th- couple thoughts I have about this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what is the role of, you know, in my case, what is the role of business when it comes to world events and national events. And for a while I was thinking, you know, Coca-Cola as a company, big, big brand out there, like I don't look to them to chime in on like what's happening in the world. Like I'm not looking to Coca-Cola to like give me their opinion about what's happening in the news right now. Um, I look to them to provide me with a drink that I like to drink, (laughs) you know, a beverage. Um, But then as I was thinking about that, it was, so that was like my first line of thought of like, okay, I look at Coca-Cola and I'm looking at them to give me a soft drink, not to like comment on political events. And so it started to make me think, okay, if you're a business or if you're a public persona and you're about a specific thing, like stay on message. Um, But then my attention kind of shifted and I started looking at Nike and you may be aware that Nike recently came out and did a campaign ad with uh, Colin Kaepernick who's a football player here in the U.S. who for the last several seasons um, has kind of led a movement of bending a knee during the national anthem as a way of marking his um, thoughts toward the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, it has caused all kinds of uproar in the news, in, in, in the in the social space around football <laughs> and like what's allowed, what's not allowed, what's appropriate or inappropriate, what's respectful, what's not respectful. There's very vocal people on both sides of this. And just a couple months ago, um, Nike came out with a new campaign and they featured Colin and basically were putting a flag in the sand themselves and saying like, we're going to stand with Colin on this. And that was a very bold move. And it had real results. I mean, or, and, or you might say consequences, you know, people who like, like heralded Nike for taking that stand and others who thought like, I'm going to burn all my Nike swag and I'm going to like never shop from Nike again. And so I look at that example compared to the Coca-Cola example. And I say, okay, here's a public facing brand that is about a certain thing. And, you know, you could say, I'm just looking to Nike to like provide me with my sports gear, my, my, my shoes and my shorts and my shirts and my bags and like my balls and you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not looking to Nike to chime in on social events. Um, and here they did because they felt they needed to. And so it just is important for us to be thinking about like, what is, what is our role and what is not our role? And so one one way that I am starting to think about this, and I encourage you to, to enter into it with this thought yourself, is how connected is what's happening 
at any given time in some like world on fire kind of way, how connected is it to what your work in the world is about? So, um, you know, I've talked before on this, on this podcast about Alyssa Ackerman, who is a fantastic, you know, PhD in the world doing work in the area of sexual violence. And with the Me Too movement happening the last several years, her work in the world very much overlaps with the Me Too movement. And so it would make a lot of sense for her to be showing up on behalf of her work in the world and speaking with the channels and the influence that she has about that issue and helping lend her perspective based on her background, her research, um, her professional expertise on that issue that is happening socially, um, collectively in, in the world with us. And, um, but you know, it's, it could be the case that something that's happening in the world is connected to what your work in the world is about also in some either direct way or some tangential way. Um, is there a way in which what you are doing in the world has a perspective to lend on what's happening in the larger scope. And if that's the case, then I would encourage you to think about how you might use your channels, your platform, your influence with your audience to help inform them in the ways that they think about these larger events that are happening from the vantage point of what it is that you actually do in your work and provide to them on a regular basis in your channels. So, I think that's the first place I would go for you is to look at, is there any kind of overlap between what's happening in the fire in the world at a given moment and what your message is really about and what it is that you're here showing up to do for your audience? And if there is overlap, how might you speak to that overlapping place for the benefit of your audience? And is it going to serve them to help them think about it? in the way that you are seeking to provide leadership to them. So that's, I think, stop one for us. And, you know, to go back to the Coca-Cola Nike example, I think that there is some overlap for Nike. Maybe what, what in, you know, influenced them to move forward with their campaign is because this was happening in the sports world. <laughs> you know, it was something that was impacting athletics. And so, you know, I think that they, they, I mean, obviously don't know, I was not in, the, in those conversations, but I'm thinking, you know, there's some connection to their world in the world of sports and what was happening with Colin and this movement that he's begun and the fallout that's been happening as a result of it, you know, in the conversation space. And so they chose to enter in. They didn't have to enter in, but they did choose to enter in. And there was some overlap of those worlds. And so it made sense in a way for them to start to say something. Um, so here's another thing I want to say, another thing to throw into this mix, and that is that you have complete freedom to do whatever you want to do. If your convictions will not allow you to stay silent about something that's happening, you certainly have the freedom to show up and speak about that, um, even if there is no direct connection to the work that you're about in the world. But here, ultimately, I think is the point about all of this, and that is that um, you are building a space now on behalf of your work in the world, on behalf of your message, and you are now needing to make a lot of decisions about how you're going to use that space and what you're going to use it on behalf of. And um, mentioned earlier about the difference between using your um, you know, communication channels as an individual versus as a public figure on behalf of a particular work or message in the world. And that's really like the place where you stand when you start to step down this path. And you may not realize the impact that it's going to have on the ways that you um, 
feel the freedom to show up about certain things in the world that are happening when you have already now committed toward a certain message and toward um, speaking about that to an audience that has gathered around you and around that message because of the ways in which that's going to help them and serve them. And so um, I really find it helpful to, you know, have the opportunity to look at what, what, what particular event is happening right now that seems to be setting the world on fire. And is there an overlap or a connection point with the message that you are about in, in your work, is there a way that your audience would be helped by that perspective, that overlapping perspective that you can bring to them as they are living their lives in the world that's on fire? Um, and if there is no connection point, you do have that moment of decision of like, okay, well, I do have the freedom of using my voice anyway. Um, or am I going to like take what I want to say about this or what I'm feeling about this or how I want to respond to this into another place that perhaps is less, it's shielded from view a bit. Um, it's less public um, and it becomes more of like a holding container for you or another place for you to express who you are just as a private individual citizen. And so these are hard decisions. Um, I don't, again, there's no one right or wrong answer about this. It's something to be discerned. Um, it's something to be noticing invitations. Um, it's something that requires a little bit of space from an event when it's happening, um, just because when these events happen, the world is on fire. We are the the emotions and the adrenaline that's in us is like ramping up, and it makes it hard to even think clearly. It's like we're so triggered, or um, you know, just we're we are really engaged with the emotions and the reactions that we're having, and it's hard to even think clearly what we think about them or feel about them. Um, like in any way, but then to also have the space to have some perspective on like, what is mine to do in this moment? What is mine to speak in this moment? What is my responsibility as an individual and as a public figure? Um, and so it's like, these are not easy questions and there's no one right answer. Um, so what I would love for you to have is a container space that is for you, a space where you can go and you can be your own personal private self, <laughs> um, whether it's with a significant other, a group of friends, um, an organization that you belong to just as a, as a person in the world, um, places where you can, number one, be held in your response and not be expected to be the public figure that you are in these channels that you adopt for yourself and your work. Um, and number two, places where you have some freedom to explore what your response might look like. So I'm pretty sure I've given you a ton to think about in this episode, and it was kind of a twisty, windy road to get there and kind of a stream of consciousness, how one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought, and one example leads to another example. But I hope it's giving you a starting place or a middle middle place to be working with some of these threads that are all tangled up, they get really confused and messy, um, starting to untangle some of those and look at what's here and decide for yourself, like, who is the person that you are showing up in the world to be? What are some of the parameters around that? Given the current invitation you are heeding, to bring a book into the world, to grow an audience around a particular message. Um, you are an individual as you do this work, um, but you also are standing for something in particular as you do this work. And is there 
connection and synergy and understanding between what you are feeling a prompt to share around the world's events and what it is that you are bringing to your work in these public spaces and people are looking to you um, to learn from you and to hear you and to, to take in your perspective. So many blessings as you continue your own discernment around this. I would love to hear if this episode sparked any additional thoughts for you. If you have kind of a counterpoint you'd love to bring, I'm so continuing to work on my own thoughts around this and I would welcome any continued dialogue that you might like to engage with me about. Um, so you are welcome to reach out through my website at bookwifery.com by using the contact page or um, by connecting with me on Instagram at Christiane underscore bookwifery. Blessings. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.